Hey, those fans, welcome to the latest episode of Yard Work with Steve Molesky. I'm Brian Eller. Steve is calling us in from Detroit, and Steve, how are things uh, up there? Here you get a view of Canada from across the way. I do, I do. I didn't bring my passport, so I better stay on this side of the water right. and uh, get to Comerica Park and watch a big series. Boy, I got to tell you, Steve, I, I know we're, we try to keep the hyperbole in check, but I feel like this, this is the biggest series of the year so far. I mean, is that, is that an understatement or, or is that too much? Well, I think probably until Monday when, when it might be bigger within the division, <laughs> right. but it's like they're all, yeah, they're all big. It's like when fans write on my blog, it's a big game tonight. I ask them to let me know when it's not and they right. can afford to lose and we don't care because, uh, it's funny, Brian. They, these count as much as the games in April. But they're long forgotten, and what's ahead of you is what's ahead of you. And when you're playing a direct competitor for a playoff berth, it's it's pretty big. Well, I think it's so it's so funny how you know when the schedule gets released well before the season starts, you know you you kind of piece together okay, you see where the division games are, and maybe you know who the interleague teams will be playing. But it somehow seems to always work out. I mean, I'm sure when the schedule came out that the this Orioles Tigers series in September wasn't you know was just another series for them, another road trip out there, but as it turns out, these two teams are neck and neck for that wild card spot. Um, I'd say the Orioles probably have a more realistic shot at getting uh, the division title, because uh, Cleveland's kind of put a, a distance uh, above Detroit in the Central, but it's it's just kind of funny how the schedule works out that this, you know, this isn't a meaningless series, far from it. it it's, it's huge, you know? Yeah, it is, um, and at the same time, the Red Sox and the Blue Jays will be playing, so I mean, the Orioles know that um, if they win, they'll gain on somebody, and that's important. And if they win, they'll gain on Detroit. So, I mean, they with each win this weekend, they'll gain on two teams, one in the in the division and one in the wild card. They know that, and that's uh, they, all they can control is what they can control. So, um, it's it'll be interesting. The Tigers have been a good team at home this year. They've been really good at home since about the middle of May, six forty ball or something like that. So. Uh, challenges ahead here yeah and the orders are it's still very early in september but i think they're off to a decent start i think they're forward too uh in, in the month which historically they've been pretty good at september i don't know if we credit that to buck or some cooler weather or who knows but uh but that's nice to see um i guess just i think for as far as what fans probably most want to know or at least uh are kind of anxious about um chris davis uh you know he left the game a couple of days ago with soreness in the left hand. Buck said it was just a precaution. Uh, he he did sit out for the finale on Wednesday. And, then, of course, the team had the off day on Thursday. Um, so it's likely we'll see Davis today, do you think? I think, um, you know, we're taping this before we get to the ballpark and see the lineups and maybe get a chance to ask Chris Davis how he's doing. But, you know, uh, the word was when they left uh, Tampa that, you know, they were just going to give him that day. They didn't think it was serious and that he would be back in the lineup. And, you know, it's important to get him back because they're facing three right-handed starters. He's hit 11 homers in his last 20 games, three in his last five, eight for his last 18 at bat. So he's swinging it pretty well. And, I mean, that's a bat they won in the lineup this weekend. Absolutely. Just looking at the splits for Davis, I know he was the subject of pretty heavy criticism throughout the year in terms of slump. Um, I know, Steve, I think we've always talked about Davis is just a guy where you know what you're going to get with the money. You're going to get a guy with tremendous power. He's going to hit 30 to 40 home runs. He's going to strike out probably more than most fans would like to, but he's also going to bring you a, a, an above average and still, I think, underrated glove at first base. And that's just that's just what you're kind of signing up for. Yeah, I mean, I think when this season's over, his run production will be 
about what was hoped for, and the strikeouts will be high, which they're probably always going to be, and the defense has been stellar. And, you know, his average, when I asked him about his season a week or two ago, and he said there are aspects of it that are disappointing, he pointed to his batting average. And I think he'd like that to be 260, 270, 280, which we've seen it be before, and it's just probably not going to finish there. But, um, you know, he's a threat in the middle of that lineup, and when you can put him and Jones and Trumbo and Manny in some order, three or four in a row, I mean, that's pretty formidable. Absolutely. So we'll we'll see if Davis is back in. I think he will, just on a, on a personal note. I think I, I, I kind of agreed with the precaution. You know, it's a long season, so might as well give him a, a little time off there. Um and I guess the other injury, or not really injury note, but people were bringing questions up about um, Adam Jones and hamstring, especially on that uh, that play on Wednesday against the Rays where they ended up scoring the eventual game winner. Um, I couldn't tell, Steve, whether it was a situation where he Jones kind of took a few steps off to because he, he you know, felt something in the hamstring. Of course, he said no, but um, I also thought maybe he realized, uh, okay, I, I'm not going to be able to get to this, so at least let me try to play it off. Um, so that I can get it into the infield as fast as I can and maybe, you know, have a play at the plate. What did you kind of make out of that that play there? Uh, it, it was hard to know without hearing his take, and he may not – he hates injury updates. <laughs> I'm right. going to tell us much. He just doesn't like to do it, and he's probably not going to do it today. Um, how his hamstring's feeling. I, in watching the one replay I saw on Masson, I thought his first step was in. I thought he broke in uh, a half a step and then had to go back, and that, in the end, may have cost him. And, and he sort of, uh, as uh, I think Rick Dempsey said, um, you know, he didn't backhand it. He kind of, you know, tried to forehand the ball. It was just a tough play. And as a game, they gave up seven runs, so we can't point to only that one, but that was the last one that was big. Right. And it's a catch. He's, he's probably made similar catches that tougher, tougher many times, and this, this time he, di- he didn't get it. Right. Um, so I guess turning from the lineup to the rotation, let's start before we get to Gosman who starts tonight. Let's talk about uh, Bundy who has struggled a bit uh, on Wednesday against the Rays. Um, and I know I think the most thought of reason why is the fatigue. You know, obviously he wasn't expected to be a starter this year. He kind of got thrown into that role, and I think everyone would agree he has at least met expectations, or at least you know, or maybe even surpassed them. Um, especially being called upon to do what he's been asked to do. But the last couple starts, he's I think he's allowed at least five earned runs in three of his last five starts. Um, do you think it's just a matter of, of keeping him fresh and him getting a little worn down? It, it looks like that could be the case. I mean, he says he feels fine. And so we're going to see when they reset the rotation after this series how they'll play it, whether he'll get a couple extra days, one extra day, what they'll do. And so um, I I think his velocity is fine. It's down a tick or two, but I think it's plenty good enough. And I, I think what um, has, he hasn't had as sharp as command of his pitches, and I think we can see that in the walk total in some of his recent starts and in the fact that some pitches were located not where he wanted them, and they went over the fence. And so um, I, it's, there's no handbook for this. So I, it's not like you can turn to Chapter 6, what do you do, when a pitcher who's only pitched 60 innings in three years is at 90 innings and has given up five runs in three of his last five starts, go to page 4A. You know, right. there's no handbook. Uh, so uh, the other thing is uh, the Orioles have to think not only short-term but long-term. Uh, if he is fatigued, 
and he's coming off of elbow and shoulder injuries, you've got to be really careful. And I'm sure this has all been discussed. What's going to be put out publicly through the reporters, we'll see uh, if the team will express any concern at all or just say, hey, we think we're good and and see what the next start brings. And so he's probably on a start-to-start basis at this point. Um, And so there's just no... There's no handbook. There's no answer, Brian. I think he's going to get another start, and we're going to see. And that, that would be a topic for Buck today. What, what do you think about Bundy? Where, where do you go from here? And my guess is his answer is going to be he'll start. What day? I don't know. And then we're going to see how how the results go. Right. I know Buck did say there the whole rotation is kind of on a, a day-to-day flux with you know Tillman trying to get back to, to full health and, and obviously Bundy getting right. worn out. But hey, it's you bring up a, a tough point in terms of short-term versus the long-term. I mean, the season is certainly not over. They're in the playoffs, and they're you know in the playoff hunts. So you, you want to keep that, that energy going and those guys going. But at the same time, like you said, this this is not a guy who was expected to pitch 200 innings you know, in the starting rotation, and you really got to balance that. Do you, do you think that's one of the tougher parts of the game is trying to manage the short term versus the long term, especially when the short term is so advantageous with you know absolutely the because you don't know the answer. Let's say let's say okay, let's skip Bundy a start and he'll be good. Well, we don't know he'll be good. He that start might throwing him off the routine may, may be problematic, or giving him a couple extra days rest. He may come out throwing 96 and 97 and look fresh as a daisy and go, wow, those two or three extra days, that, that was the right thing to do. Because, again, there's no handbook and there's no right answer for, for, for this. And you don't know until you know. And so everybody's going to have an opinion, probably Bundy too, Buck too, the pitching coaches. They'll all get together on it and do what they think is best for both the team and the player. And... The, the issue is whatever decisions they make, it doesn't mean that they're right. right. We'll just we'll just see um, how it how it plays out. But it, it looks like he certainly could use an extra day or two if if they wanted to do that. I think it could be a it, you know my guess is it wouldn't be a bad idea. Right, absolutely. Um, I, I I know one guy, Steve, that isn't slowing down at all, and that's Kevin Gossman, man. I mean, he's been. So electric in his past three starts. He hasn't allowed an earned run since August 18th against the Astros. And I tell you, it, I'm I'm really happy to see this this guy find success because he, as we talked about, you know, and Oriole fans know they went through years of drafting these these pitchers in the top ten. Just one year after another, it seemed to be just kind of this sigh of, oh, all right, is, is one of these guys going to pan out, or when is the potential going to cut show? And boy, I tell you, it's it, if Kevin Gosman continues on this pace, he's, you can see why uh, Dan Duquette and the U.S. front office, they, when teams talk, call to make trade talks and things like that, they all want this guy. And the Orioles have repeatedly for years said, nope, he's not on the table. And I think we're seeing why. They're not going to part with him. Well, uh, they have parted with some young pitching. We've seen Josh Hader go, Zach Davies, Eduardo Rodriguez. But Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman are still here, and they may be the best of that group. We're going to see. But Gosman looks like he's turned a corner. And one thing I've noticed in recent starts is I think the usage of his split finger, the changeup, he calls it a split, call it a changeup, whatever you like, his off-speed pitch, that's not a breaking ball. It's more of a changeup, the split. 
I think it's been really good for him. Uh, there was a time where that pitch looked like a plus pitch all the time, and then I think it went through a lull where it wasn't as strong, and I think it's back. I don't know if he made an adjustment or he's just throwing it better, believes in it better, but the usage of it is up. And the effectiveness of it is strong. I think that's why the usage is up. So now, um, and, and as Dan Duquette said, I did a radio interview with him about a week ago, and he said he's spinning his breaking ball better as well. So I think the secondary pitches have uh, come for Kevin Gosman. And we, he's always had the 95 or 96. Sometimes he hasn't located it or commanded it as well, but it's always there. And so now if the split gets back to the level we've seen it, and he's spinning the breaking ball a little better, all of a sudden there's a package of pitches that he can go to with confidence, and we've seen the results. Absolutely. We've used that old adage before. You know, you have one pitch you can be effective, two pitches you can win, three pitches you can dominate, you know, and that's that's the more weapons he can add to his arsenal, uh, he's just going to get better. You know? Exactly. And the, the third pitch is, I've always said it's going to be a distant third for Gosman, 10%. We're going to see it maybe less. And that's what it is. But you need to be able to do it, and you need to be able to throw the slider, the curve, the slur, whatever we want to call it, that he throws, his breaking ball, uh, for some effectiveness. And I think there have been starts in his career when hitters seen he couldn't command it, and they just forgot about it. They said, when he throws a breaking ball, I'm just not swinging because he's not throwing it where he wants. But now he is. And so he can spot it in a little bit. And so all of a sudden the hitters at one-two count – the hitter's going, is he going to throw 95 by me? Is he going to bury a split, or is he going to go down and away with a breaking ball? And they really can't eliminate any of the three. And when you put a quality pitch in there with the hitter thinking, I might get one of three pitches here, you could get good results as he's getting. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking, and I was talking with a few friends, just a hypothetical, you know, if the Orioles do end up in a wild card situation, and they have to play that game, whether it's at Camden Yards or on the road somewhere. And just for debate's sake, let's say you're starting everybody's available starting rotation. Tillman's back to health. Um, who do you who would you throw? I mean, I know the schedule's going to line up and play a big part of that. But just for this hypothetical, I, you know, I, I really kind of put some support for, for Gosman. I said if you have to win one game right now, um, Tillman certainly I think still the ace of the staff. But I, I would I would give Gosman that the ball in the, in that one game wild card. Should that be the scenario? Well, he's probably throwing as well as anybody right now. There's no doubt he is. And if they if they had that game tomorrow, he'd probably be the guy they'd pick. The issue's going to happen is. If they have to win out to get to the wild card game, they're not going to have a choice. Uh, in other words, if they get to that last week and the Toronto and Yankee series, if each game is crucial and they need to win to qualify or win a wild card or a division, they're not going to be able to set their rotation and say, exactly. we're going to hold back so and so for the wild card because you've got to win to get there. Exactly. So I think that's one reason Joe Saunders pitched that game in Texas. He was next man up and they didn't just say, well, you know, you, you, sometimes you have to win out. So, um, they, well, fans always say who they're going to pitch in the wild card game. Well, they might be pitching whoever's turn it is right. because they might have to win Saturday and Sunday in New York to get in a wild card game, and then it'll be a matter of who's next. And you might have a choice of a couple because let's say you had to win. Let's say they had to win the last game Sunday to get a wild card, and they won it. Well, you're going to get Monday off, and I think you're going to get Tuesday. I can't remember the schedule. So you might have two days off, and, and, and that brings more starters in play. But, but if you do have to win late just to get to a wild card game, it, it's not going to be 
who are we going to pick? It's probably going to be who's next in line. Absolutely. It's, it's almost as if every game from now on is, is the one-game wild card, uh, right. especially, against, especially against the divisional opponents, for sure. And then so. it's Johnny Holstaff in that game. It's, you know, if the starter struggles early, you go, go to your pen the second inning. Uh, you might have to, and that that's where winning the division is so big because you get more time off, you can set your rotation, and your 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 staff is rested when when your first game starts. The wild card team, they may have had to bust it just to get to the wild card. They may need six pitchers in the wild card game, and now they got to turn around in a best of five against a rested team. So that's why they're pushing so hard for the division. That's job one. That's goal one. And you'll take the wild card because it beats not being in there at all, but it's a much tougher road. That's what Captain Abby says. Wild card is nice, but go ahead and win the division. That's a lot nicer. You know? That would so, be better yet. Absolutely. So I guess, Steve, obviously, you know, we haven't had a chance to, uh, as we take this, the, you know, still a couple hours away from, from game time. Um, but I guess in what you've heard or seen over the past week or so, uh, the latest on, on Chris Tillman and Darren O'Day, uh, I know those guys are still trying to, it seems like they're progressing, but the, they always seem to be just, uh, you know, they did work coming off both good recovery bullpen sessions and Tillman is still on track to start on Sunday. That, I, I that's, the that's plan. Okay. That is the plan. And he's supposed to throw a light bullpen in Detroit today, Friday, as we take this, that will set him up to pitch Sunday. And, you know, it's been a while, so I don't know if we can just expect him to go eight innings and just be great, but he's Chris Tillman, and he's got a lot of talent, so they'll welcome him back. And O'Day, I think the hope is he throws again Friday in Detroit today, and then they set up a simulated game in the next two or three days and then activate him. So, to me, that's pointing to four or five days from now, maybe during the Boston series in Fenway, uh, when they would hope this is, uh, get him th- that they could get him back that soon, and they'll take it if they can get him then. Right, absolutely. And um, and Joey Rickard still taking swings down in Florida. I guess his obviously the bringing in Michael Bourne and Drew Stubbs kind of was. We talked about the implications of okay, I guess Rickard's uh, progress is going a little bit slower than they'd like. Uh, do you think we'll see Rickard back on the field at all uh, by the end of the year? I, I think they're going to try. You know, he cannot be activated till the, September 19th when they moved him to the 60-day. So he still he couldn't even be activated today, even if he was ready. Right. And I think they set that date, knowing he wouldn't be ready until about then. So they're going to hope they can get him back for the final, you know, seven to ten days. And he be he'll be eligible for the playoffs if they if they make it and they want to add him. Because any player in the organization on August 31st, including being on the DL, could be on a playoff roster. So Bourne, uh, Stubbs, Rickert, they all could be on it, and the Orioles will have some decisions to make if they get there, and they'll happily uh, want to make them you know, later on in the year. Absolutely. Um, so I guess you just kind of off the wall, we were talking earlier about September roster expansion. Um, you know, it's obviously the time when – you, you don't even recognize some of the names, and it seems like there's a lot of pitching changes that get made every game. The games seem to kind of drag a little bit more. I just wanted to get your opinion. Are you a fan of the roster expansion in September? What are your thoughts on just that 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 tradition or that part of the game? You know, I think Brian, they should tweak it. Um, I'm I'm a fan of seeing new, different players in September, but it it seems crazy that that a team could have 40 active players. For a game when the, when it's 25 all year, and so 
Uh, you know, maybe they could do one of a couple things. One thing would be to lower the number. Let's say they, they cut it to 30. You can expand your roster to 30 or 28 or 32. Or the other thing, as Buck has mentioned, is is uh, have a taxi squad. Maybe maybe say you can take 33, but you can only activate 28. So each day you have to have five inactive, which basically would be the four pitchers who started the four previous games and one or two others. Um, and there are minor leagues like the New York Penn League. When I worked in the Penn League, that's they had a 35-man roster, 30 active uh, for a game. And so maybe they look to do something like that. Uh, it just does make it very different, and the Orioles have used it to their advantage. I mean, that's a big reason, you know, Bourne and Stubbs could be added because the roster expanded. So now you can have extra outfielders and you can carry speed that you didn't have all year and, and defense in the outfield that you didn't have for a lot of the year. So that's big. That could help you win a close game. And so um, uh, it's good uh, for the contenders. It's good for the bad teams. They can bring up young kids and look at them uh, in September. But it's, uh, it seems crazy to me, Brian, that one team on a given night could have a 38-man roster and the other could have a 28. You know? right. <laughs> and it's their choice. I mean, you can have 40 if you want. Uh, I've, never, I've never known the Orioles to have 38 or 40, but they're in the 30s at this point with some extra guys. And so um, perhaps some tweaking is in order at some point. Yeah, I would agree. That's good. Good points there. No buck. They they bring up some people when the rosters can expand, but they're not very gung ho about getting all forty guys, you know, filling all those spots. So, um, so Steve, I guess just in closing, I kind of want to just do a little something fun with you. Just do kind of a, a buy or sell topic here. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some sentences or, you know, or some predictions here, and you tell me whether you buy that notion or you sell it. All right, sound good? Okay. All right. So we'll start with Machado. He has 169 hits on the season. I'm going to say he's going to finish the season with 200 hits by herself. Ooh, 169. Now, I'll buy that one. He can do that. 200 hits. Okay. Um, and then, as of all the minutes, his ERA right now is at 6.19, but he's been pitching well lately. He finishes the year with an ERA of under five by herself. Ah. Uh... I say that's tough. I'll sell on that one. Oh, okay. All right. It's going down, but I don't know if it'll go that low. That's right. See, I tried to throw some tough ones at you here. So <laughs> um, so here's one. Caleb Joseph finishes the year without an RBI. Buy or sell? Oh, I'm going to buy. I hope that doesn't happen. Please, I, Caleb, get an RBI. Everybody's rooting for him. He was so close in Tampa. Oh, man, that was that was a great catch by Kiermaier. But I tell you, oh. I, I, I thought that was the, the one, man. I, I that really was did. just cruel. And so... He's going to get it. He's got enough time left. He's not going to start that many games, so maybe right. maybe he doesn't. But uh, that would really be unfortunate for a guy who cares so damn much uh, and the fans like him so much. I hope he gets a couple here. Absolutely. So uh, just a couple more. Chance Cisco. Um, I know you wrote a couple days ago, likely to be the Orioles minor league player of the year, at least a good candidate for that. He will be in an Orioles uniform before next year's All-Star break. Ooh. Five I'm going to sell on that. I'm going to say he does get on the team at some point next year, but not by the All-Star break. But he, okay. he could. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. But I'm going to say no to that. But that we'll see him. That's right. I thought I thought opening day would be too soon. I thought September might be too late. So I threw the All-Star break in there because I figured that's a good a good uh, time to. to and I think Ryan is tied to Matt Weeders. If Matt Weeders leaves, which a lot of people think he will. 
I do think Cisco will come to camp, uh, barring acquisitions they make, with a chance to be on the team. But I do think, in a best-case scenario, the Orioles probably look at it as, that's a little fast for this kid. Let's get him another half year of minor league seasoning. Right. Uh, maybe start him at AAA and let him keep working on his defense, and then uh, there will be a need and we'll bring him there. Absolutely. It'll be certainly one of the topics to keep an eye on over the offseason and, and into early next year, so that's nice. Um, and finally, Steve, by sell, there will be at least one playoff game in Camden Yards this year. I'm going to buy because why would I go against it at this point? Of course. Uh, you know, the Orioles, I think it's funny, Brian, people just – Outside of Baltimore, people just don't see them in the playoffs. They're not high on the Orioles. If they were a stock, uh, they would be, be be more sold than bought. Uh, national analysts, and uh, they all see Toronto and Boston better. But here they are. They're one buying game behind the other, one, two behind the other. They're right there with them. I'm going to say this team pulls out a playoff berth, whether it's wild card or division. I think we'll see them. Um, and then uh, let's hope if it's just the one game they get it in Baltimore, that would be something. That's right. I, I think that's the way the Orioles like it is with everybody kind of doubting them. They seem to uh, they seem to not mind that. So right. Let now let's see if we get in a crazy scenario where there's all these tiebreakers, and some of them are tiebreakers by head to head, but some you have to play out. That's right. So uh, Steve, the question is who starts for the Orioles with the play in for the play in <laughs> game? That's really what. <laughs> that's. Uh, I'm sure fans will be going crazy. Over Before we're done with this, Joe Saunders is going to get another start somewhere. Right. right. Hey, it worked out last time with a wild card, I'll tell you. So. It did. 